You've taken over as a leader of a team, and like a lot of new leaders, you're expected to produce quantifiable results. But where do you start? On this Saturday cast, Academy member Mark Ipovitz shares how he approached that challenge to help lead the 11 Australia brand to substantial growth. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 375. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And this weekly show gives you access to the practical wisdom that will empower you to become a better leader. This is the monthly Saturday cast. About once a month here, I air a special episode on a Saturday that is a chat with one of our Academy members or listeners, in this case, one of our Academy members. Next episode still coming on Monday, so this is a bonus additional show. And the Saturday casts are sponsored and brought to you by the Coaching for Leaders Academy. The Academy is a year-long cohort of participant leaders who work personally with me to become substantially more effective in many areas of leadership, including talent development, decision-making, self-organization, efficient learning, and a number of other things you'll hear about in today's conversation. You can discover more and get alerted about opportunities to apply for future academy openings by going over to coachingforleaders.com slash academy. And as I mentioned, our guest today is a member of the Coaching for Leaders Academy. He started up with us earlier this year. And like many of you who listen to the show, he found himself a few years ago in a brand new position of leadership, a highly visible position, and was looking for ways to start to track down some new information. And I'm glad to introduce to you Mark Ipovitz. He is a member of the Coaching for Leaders Academy and National Sales Manager at Ausdare, where he manages the brand 11 Australia, and he is based in Australia. Mark, so glad to be with you. It's great to be here, Dave. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I am really excited about our conversation because um, you and I both know that stepping into a new position as a leader is uh, a challenging one. It's an exciting one, but it's also challenging. And you found yourself in that position a little over three years ago. How did that happen that you landed in this national sales manager role? Yeah, sure. Well, uh, yeah, it's been a in- very interesting journey for me. I started working in the hair care industry around five and a half years ago. And I spent the first two years just as an individual contributor working in a sales team, growing this brand new, super exciting brand called Eleven Australia. And the brand gained a lot of really exciting traction really quickly. And as the team grew, we needed to bring someone on to take over a management role to look after the team. And just through consistent high performance, I was fortunate enough to be promoted to national sales manager. But I guess the funny thing about that was I had absolutely no idea how to manage people, Mm. how to be a manager. I was just thrown straight in through high sales performance and let's get Mark to do the job. He'll be fine. And so that's where my journey began, Dave. What you've just articulated is almost universally what happens in sales organizations is 
the person who was the top performer gets moved into an opportunity of management when it shows up. And actually, even outside sales organizations, this happens a lot too. The top performer on the team ends up getting elevated in a technical organization or in a services organization, ends up getting elevated to the role. But as you've discovered, it's an entirely different job, even though you're in the same place. There's a whole different skill set. Yeah, it really is. And I remember specifically that moment. We It actually all went down. We had a, a conference in Thailand and we had the sales team and the CEO and company directors at that conference. And I remember they announced that I was going to become the national sales manager. And I specifically recall my own head saying to myself, I have no idea what I'm doing, but one thing I know is that I'm going to jump right in the deep end and I'm going to become the best national sales manager this company has ever seen. That is just all I can remember from that moment. One of the things that really comes across in our academy sessions, and those who are listening today will hear this as well, is just your enthusiasm for learning and growing. And also what you just said as far as being the best leader you possibly can be. And one of the pieces that you know, really has struck out for me that you've talked about is humble leadership, which when you think about enthusiasm, humbleness isn't always the first word that people think about. And yet that's something you've thought a bit about. Yeah, absolutely. Particularly for me, coming from a sales background where generally in team sales environments, it's dog eat dog, it's survival of the fittest, you know, who can sell the most products, who can make the most money. It's all about me, me, me. And when I first started at this company, that's exactly what it was like. So for me, when I became the national sales manager, I really wanted to transition my team away from thinking it's all about me to how can we work better as a team to help each other grow and help the brand grow. Because I knew if I could get everyone involved as a team, we'd be able to fast track this brand in a big way. And so, obviously, myself, I was a big part of that. And a big part of humble leadership for me is around valuing and respecting the opinions and the voices of my people. So, genuinely listening to what they have to say, taking that on board. And, you know, I'm I'm really proud to say that since doing this, I've really learned a lot. Like, my people have a lot of great knowledge and we work amazingly well as a team now. And One thing I do notice when we have new employees come on board our sales team, the first thing they always say after even the first week is, I just can't believe what an amazing team we've been able to create with Eleven Australia. Wow, that's awesome. When you look back to how it started when you stepped into the role three years ago and the kinds of things that happen today when a new team member comes in. What's something you're really doing different today that's encouraging that humble leadership? For me, it really comes down to genuine love and care of my people. I want to make sure that they are involved in a team that is more like family. So one thing that these people really notice, particularly now, is that All the people in our team are so caring. Everyone helps each other. Everyone wants to see everyone grow. And so that, without a doubt, has probably been the biggest shift versus when I first 
took over and got involved with this company, you kind of had to really find your own way. But now it's that extra support, that extra love that we show our people that really goes a long way. Which is hard to do in a sales organization because a lot of the incentives are aligned for individual performance. Is there something that you found that's been helpful, not only culturally, but just as far as expectation setting and language that you've done that's that's helped people to look a little broader than just in their own performance numbers? Yeah, absolutely. As soon as you join our brand or our company, particularly in my team, it's said from the get-go, if you cannot work in a team environment, you're not going to last more than a month in this job. If you're not prepared to share your knowledge, share your wins, and ask for help, but also at the same time, offer help back to those who need it. If you're not prepared to do that, you're probably not the right person for this team. So you're doing a lot at the beginning of setting that expectation culturally within the organization so that people expect that when they show up at work and start integrating with the team. Absolutely. From the get-go, and anyone that works in our team will tell you who's come on in the last two years, that that is a conversation that he's had. And yeah, I'm really happy to say that, you know, even certain people who could have become a lone wolf in sales who have joined our team have really fitted into the team mold and they're still excelling in a huge way with their numbers, but they've become amazing team players since joining our organization. I have the sense that you really know where you want to go from a standpoint of the team. And you've actually created a vision for the team, a Believe vision. And I'm, I'm wondering if maybe we might dive into that a bit here, because I think that relates to what we were just talking about of you having a framework of expectations around just what you want to see for the team and how people interact. W- would you be up for sharing a bit of that? Yeah, absolutely. I Sometimes, as I'm sure a lot of listeners have, you you wake up and you have these creative brainwaves. And one morning I woke up and I thought, you know, I believe so strongly in my people and I believe so strongly in creating an amazing team around me that I want to I want to set out some steps and and a vision that really shows how much I care about my people and what I want to see possible for them. So I'm actually in my home office at the moment and I've got my vision for my team in front of me. So I'll go through that, Dave. So number one is that I believe everyone should work in an organization where you wake up and feel like you want to go to work. I also believe in creating a safe, positive and motivating workplace where everything you dreamed you could achieve in a career is possible. Mm. I also believe that all salespeople should have the ability to earn a triple-figure salary and achieve financial freedom working at Ausdare. I believe in building a culture of love and support within our team, a place where everyone feels that the individuals around them are genuinely there to help them grow and become the best they can be. I believe in growing our brand to become the biggest boutique hair care brand in Australia and around the world and having a team behind me with the same motivation and drive to take it there. I believe in growing people and teaching them to attain skill set that can see them achieve anything that they want in their career. And most importantly, I believe in having fun at work. 
the reality is we spend so much time at work that if you do not love what you do, I truly believe you shouldn't be doing it. You've got to love what you do. And I want to create an environment where my people come to work absolutely loving every second of their day. You mentioned the word love a couple of times, and one of them in the belief statements is creating a culture of love and support. And, you know, I think in some organizations, people hear the word love and they go, oh, you know, love, is that, uh, does that belong in an organization? What's caused that to emerge in your vision for you? Yeah, I think when you want to create a team environment, particularly in sales, you've got to love your people. And if as a leader, you love your people, I find that the people around you will just follow that. So in order to create a team environment, I had to create an environment where everyone felt loved because that was going to create a family. So if I could create a family amongst my sales team with the love involved, and if we all go to work as a family, I just knew that is exactly what I needed to create to get the team culture going within my sales team. And it seems to be working really well. We talk a lot about the word failure inside the academy. And I know in the last three years, there's certainly things that have been stumbles along the way in your career as well. How do you process and deal with failure when there's missteps that happen? This is a big one. And for me, failure is such a strong word. I know a lot of people constantly talk about their failures and I really struggled to get my head around this, but I made the discovery that I've never looked at failing so much as failing. I've always looked upon failure as always learning. So for me, I stick by the mantra of I'm never failing, but I'm always learning. Awesome. And I'm guessing that part of that is the word vulnerability. We've talked about that on the show a bit. How do you frame vulnerability and thinking about that with how you lead, Mark? Yeah, absolutely. This is something that I have really discovered the power of recently. And being vulnerable is just an amazing way to build the trust of your team. So being able to tell them how much you value what they do, tell your team that you absolutely love them, you respect them. And in my early years, I always thought this, but opening up to them and actually being able to tell them how much I appreciate the great work they do, just little things like this have really taken my leadership to the next level. And I'm really proud of myself for being able to step out of that comfort zone of being that strong leader that doesn't show much emotion to being able to tap into that emotional side that I do have and showing my people that I'm not a robot, but I am a human being and I have feelings and emotions just like you. And so since being able to tap into that and show my vulnerability, it has definitely taken my leadership to the next level. You mentioned that that was a recent change. What's different now than was true with that before? I have always been quite a strong person. I'm, I'm like a lot of guys, I, I, really, I struggle to cry. And for me, being able to tap into my emotions has been a real challenge. And recently, 
work actually put me through a program called the Landmark Forum. And at the Landmark Forum, I'm sure a lot of listeners have actually done this. It really did change my life in terms of being able to tap into my vulnerable side and show my emotions. And so, yeah, this only happened for me over the last six months, but oh, wow, what an amazing change it's been. And you know, just not just in my work life, but in my personal life to be able to open up and be comfortable, you know, sharing my emotions. It's just been fantastic. Mm, That's awesome. I think it's one of those things that a lot of us struggle with. And particularly here in Western business culture, there's a lot of belief that we can't show as much emotion and particularly for men that that carries in a lot of Western culture. And so being able to bridge that transition, I think, as a leader, is really a good step for most of us to make going forward. And it is a transition. And, and, and I'm, I'm curious what other transitions you feel like you've had to make, uh, or, or maybe not even you felt like you've had to make, but what are some transitions you've been glad to make as you've stepped into this role? Yeah, there, there really is a lot, Dave. And just thinking right now, I guess the biggest one for me was coming out of being a high-performing salesperson into a leadership position, you go from it's all about you to having to put yourself last and your people first. So that in terms of the biggest transition I had to make was definitely that, putting my people first and putting myself last. Another big transition that I've had to make is giving people in my team complete ownership and recognition of their ideas. And I know that a lot of leaders out there take ideas from their team, make them their own, so they look like you know it was their idea. Whereas for me, I never went down that path, but I just love that I'm able to give my creative ideas that the people give to me from my team and give them complete recognition and ownership over those. That's been huge. And also delegation. I know delegating tasks is a huge issue for a lot of leaders, relinquishing control of tasks to their team. But for me, I realized that if I didn't begin to delegate, there's no way I could get all my work done. So definitely having being able to delegate important tasks to the right team members has absolutely changed my life. Well, that's that's fabulous. And you're wise to have come to that conclusion fairly early in your leadership career, because I think it takes a lot of us uh, sometimes many years to really come to that conclusion that there's more we should be delegating, not only to take some of the things off our plates, but perhaps even more importantly, for the purpose of developing the members of our team. And you also did something interesting at the when you took on this role. Uh, you know, you were, you know, trying to navigate a new role, and you came across this podcast. That's one of the resources you started with. Do you remember how you came across the podcast and and how you started utilizing it? My journey began. I read three really important books. One that you're very familiar with, Dave: How to Win Friends and Influence People. Oh yeah. So your connection there was just when I first stumbled across your podcast. I thought, wow, how uncanny is this? And then Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, Stephen Covey, and Five Levels of Leadership, John Maxwell. And it was somewhere through reading those books that I got put onto podcasts and I just typed in leadership 
and you popped up and it was the first one that I actually clicked on. And I listened to one episode and I was like, wow, like there's this amazing resource out there in these podcasts. And I feel like this is going to help take my leadership to the next level. So it was just an iTunes podcast search. The first one that came up was coaching for leaders and it's just absolutely changed my world. Oh, awesome. Well, that's amazing to hear. Thank you for the kind words. So, you know, one of the things we often do on these Saturday casts is try to dive in on some of the lessons from past episodes and what our listeners have taken away from it. And you actually sent me a whole list of things, Mark. I don't know if we're going to have a chance to hit all these, but I'd love to dive in on some of these because I'm really curious how you utilize this and put it into action. And one of them on the list here is Patrick Lencioni. And of course, he's uh, been a prolific leadership writer for many years. And you really zeroed in on the conversation we had about the ideal team player on episode 301. What caught your attention on that? Yeah, obviously for me, I have a really strong emphasis around creating an amazing team working environment. So when Patrick was speaking about his framework of hungry, humble, and smart, I grabbed this information and I thought, I can create an exercise amongst my team here on one of our weekly conference calls where what I actually did was I got my team to self-diagnose their strengths of hungry, humble, and smart. So their strength being one, their weakness being three. And we had to speak openly as a group about our strengths and our weaknesses of these, these three traits. And I was really pleased to discover that across my team, and I have 14 direct reports, that we had a really good mix of people who were hungry, humble, and smart. It was just great. And we also tapped in on that call around why it's important to be hungry as a team player, why it's important to be humble and important to be smart in regards to being a team player. So we had a good one-hour conversation around this topic and it went down really well. What was helpful for your team coming out of that conversation of looking at that framework from Lencioni? Um, I think it just clarified with them that everyone's different. You know, we had some with the strength of being hungry, some being humble, and some being smart. And recognizing that maybe that's why that person in our team acts the way they are, because I'm hungry, but you know, their strength is the fact that they're humble or their strength is the fact that they have the people smarts. So yeah, just really recognizing that everyone is built differently. One of the other folks you mentioned comes up often uh, when we're talking about guests on the show, Michael Bungay-Stanier on how to be a better coach. I know one of the things you've really dived into is that coaching habit book. How's that been helpful to you? Yeah, coaching is really new in my world. So I discovered the coaching habit around nine months ago and I downloaded the audio book using Audible and I've listened to it three times now and I'll continue to listen to that because I really want to make coaching a big part of my management and leadership. But just being able to tap into this and ask my team questions to help them think on their own two feet rather than me tell them the answers to everything. So I've really been focusing a lot on talking less and asking more every chance I get. Mm. So many of the members of our academy have zeroed in on the questions from the coaching habit. What's been the most useful question to you? 
Definitely the first one, what's on your mind? I think this is just a great way to start a coaching conversation and also a great way to just make sure everyone in my team is okay. Make sure that they're operating at 100%, that nothing's weighing them down. What's on your mind? This question alone has been great just to, just to get the conversation started with them. One of the things you've mentioned in some of our recent academy sessions is just thinking about how you're conducting one-on-ones with your team. And if I'm recalling right, your CEO has given you a a lot of latitude to just kind of figure out how to utilize those conversations really well. How has coaching shown up in the one-on-ones for you recently? Yeah, this is a great question. So myself and the CEO of my company, we run our one-on-one meetings quarterly. So we travel around the country and meet with our team. And We've had a fantastic model that has been highly effective in the past where we have a key focus for our meetings and essentially we go in and we tell our people exactly what it is that we want them to do going forward and where we can see they're going to be able to get the most growth. But more recently, we've changed to a model where we still have a focus point, but the majority of the session is focused around what's important to the individual at the time. So we're able to solve the issues or the things that they want to talk about rather than us just talking at them for the whole one hour. And so this has been a great change and we only just began this three months ago. So we've got our next one-on-ones coming up in the next few weeks. So this is just going to go from strength to strength. So before more you and your CEO coming in with the agenda, now more of the agenda emerging from the employee themselves. What's different as you've done that the new way? It's just great that, well, they all actually came to me saying how much they appreciate that we can spend more time on what's important to them Mm. rather than what's important to the company and the sales figures. And I believe that with this model, we're going to see more growth in the sales numbers from our people because when you care about your people and what's important to them, and helping them achieve what they want to achieve, I know that the sales will come. You know, thinking about all of the you know different opportunities for personal and professional development. You know, one of the people I know that's been really inspirational to you is someone who appeared on this sh- show earlier this year, Kristen Hadid, who's running the organization Student Made in uh, Florida here in the states. What did you hear from her that was uh, impactful to you? Kristen is super inspiring. The fact that she prioritizes personal and professional development within her company, at the end of the day, she's running a cleaning business, but her focus on personal and professional development is what is taking her business from strength to strength. And I have a very similar belief. If I can grow my people both personally and professionally, arm them with the skills that they need to achieve everything they want in their life, I just feel like going forward, this is how I'm going to get the best out of my people. I know in a sales organization where numbers are really important, of course, in any sales organization, there is that tendency to you know, think about, okay, what are the numbers we've produced this, this week, this month? How have you framed it, Mark, to both be present to that, but also at the same time, like taking that inspiration from Kristen and knowing that you know, sometimes making this investment now of that personal development will pay off in the long run. How do you you balance that for yourself in your own mind? 
Yeah, I recall reading a book where they spoke about if you take care of your people, they will take care of your customers. So for me, that says, well, if I take care of my people and they take care of the customers, the sales are going to come. And so I feel like around that question you just asked, that perfectly explains my mindset around that particular area. You and I had a funny moment uh, about, I don't know, it was a week, week and a half ago of, I think maybe, I can't remember how it came up, but you and I had been talking about the career conversations model from Russell Airway and the three different steps, uh, or I'd passed along the article at some point, And you sent me a message and said, hey, have you ever considered interviewing Russ on the show? And I replied and said, yeah, it's airing in about 24 hours. <laughs> so we set a world record for fastest turnaround of a guest request. But you latched onto this model. And I'm curious, you know, having heard now the interview with Ross and the, his three steps, what's been useful to you on that? So for me, the next step with my team is creating individual development plans for them. And so when I came across Russ's model and through listening to him on your podcast, I spent some time setting up framework so I'm actually ready to have these conversations with my team. I think his model breaks it down and makes it super simple. And whilst it's going to be quite time consuming, I I put myself in my people's shoes. If my manager came to me and said, I really care about your future, what direction do you want to go? I'm going to help you get there. Whether you stay with us and do that, or go somewhere else and do that, but I'm going to help you get there. Russ's model is what enables us as leaders to do that. So Mm. this is the next step for me and my team, and I'm really excited to get into the IDPs. Yeah, and it really lines up with everything you've told me in the last six months since we've been talking for the first time is I know you really have a desire to build and lead a team of leaders. And also, not only because of all the things you've mentioned, but it's great as a competitive advantage for your business too, of that, you know, other people may end up coming, you know, other organizations may end up offering more money or try to, you know, entice people away from the organization. But the fact that you are creating a culture where leaders are grown and investing in people and really taking that long-term perspective that in the end, that that's going to create a culture that's you know really hard to compete with. So it's really cool to see you making that investment in a way that will shape the success of the organization in the long run. Yeah. Thanks, Dave. I mean, at some point, everyone is probably going to move on. So if I can be there to help support their journey, then at some point in their career, they're going to look back and say, you know, wow, I was so fortunate to have had Mark as my manager in my time working at Ausdare. He loved me. He cared for me. He did everything for me to take me to this point in my career and my life. And so for me, leaving a legacy like that would mean a lot. So speaking of success, your team has had tremendous success over the last few years. The brand has really exploded, not only in Australia, but around the world. And in fact, I was sort of smiling when I said national sales manager, because in a way, you're almost like an international sales manager, because you have people all over the world now who are doing work on behalf of the brand. And for those who are inspired and heading to their salon in the not-too-distant future, who are in different places around the world, is there like an easy way to track down where your products are and what salons they're in worldwide? Yeah, so we are a salon exclusive brand. But if you go to 11australia.com, you'll find a stockist tab on the website. 
And if you're in Canada, the United States or Australia, you'll be able to find a stockist close to you. We currently have distribution in 40 states in the US. We've got the rest of the US coming on in Jan and Feb next year. Canada, we've got the product throughout the whole of Canada already. And we're also stocked in 18 countries in Europe. However, we don't currently have a stockist list for Europe. We're just working on that at the moment. See, you'll just have to, we'll have all our European listeners go in and ask. And then, you know, then it'll, then it'll just all happen automatically. Because <laughs> exactly. it's that simple, right? <laughs> Let's do it, guys. Let's get out there and, and push this brand. Mark, this has been fabulous. You know, it's so, it's so fun to see you really building a sales team with so many of the things that we have talked about on the show and so many of the values that so many of us hold close. It's just really fun to see you doing that in a sales environment and seeing some amazing things happen. It reminds me of the conversation we had earlier this year with John Pinheiro, who's doing a very similar thing in this in the sales here in the US and using a lot of these values. So let's see if we can uh, capture some of what we mentioned here. You know, we we try to put together a bit of a a training plan for those who like you maybe have stepped into a leadership role in the recent past and are looking for some of these key lessons. So we've mentioned a few of them here today. Back on episode 237, we had Michael Bungay Stanier on these coaching questions get results, which is the title of that episode. Mark mentioned one of the coaching questions. There's seven of them that we talk about in that episode. If you're looking for good coaching questions, that's a good place to start. We also talked about Patrick Lencioni. He was on episode 301, how to get the ideal team player. If you're recruiting and hiring right now and you haven't heard that episode, it is a must listen for you. We also talked about Kristen Hadid and the fabulous work she's doing at Student Made in growing leaders in her organization. That's episode 338. And then finally, we talked about Russ Larray's recent appearance on the show, Three Steps to Great Career Conversations. That was episode 370. So I'll have all those in the notes and in the weekly leadership guide. Mark, man, this has been awesome. Uh, Thank you so much for not only sharing your wisdom with us, but thanks so much for being a leader and uh, making so many of these things happen in your organization. It's really fun to see your team growing and being so successful in everything you're doing. Dave, thanks so much for having me on today. And thanks for everything you've done for me. It's just been an amazing journey. So thank you. Well, the pleasure has been mine. And I've got a question for you listening. Yes, you. Do you have a success story from what you've learned from the Coaching for Leaders podcast uh, that I should know about? I'd love to hear about it. And uh, maybe even with your permission, share it with our listening community, maybe even here on a future Saturday cast. So if you have a success story, uh, go over to coachingforleaders.com slash success to share your story with me. This Saturday cast was brought to you by the Coaching for Leaders Academy. You can discover more about the Academy and get alerted about opportunities to apply for membership just go over to coachingforleaders.com slash academy. Thank you so much for listening. And I'll see you next Monday for the very next regular episode. And thanks again to Mark. Have a great day, everyone. Take care.